Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I'm too. My name is Justin Christopher, and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 249, getting close to the 250 mark here. We are going to talk about week six in review. And week six was a pretty brutal week from an injury perspective, especially when quarterbacks get in, injured. All the players' the fantasy production goes down when the quarterbacks go down, so that kind of stinks. It did that this this Sunday. Uh, I think there were five new quarterbacks that got unexpected playing time uh, this week. Pretty pretty wild, and it resulted in a lot lower scoring games than normal, and uh, some pretty tough watches just to even watch on TV. Hey, but it's still the game that we love, and I enjoyed watching all the games on Sunday, cheering on my dynasty teams, except for those that I'm actually rebuilding in, and then I'm cheering against them, <laughs> cheering for other teams in that case. Anyway, we had fun, even though it was a pretty brutal week on the field and on the TV. Let me talk about just some overall observations, give you some hints on the waiver wire for this week, and then we'll talk about, I think there were five trades that took place in my league this week that I'll give my grading of those trades. Well, let's start with observation number one. I would say offensive struggles. Uh, the usually potent uh, Chiefs offense is struggling to produce for fantasy teams. Now, the offense, you know, could be better. It's just not um, it's just not fantasy productive. They're doing well. They're just not as productive as normal, except for, of course, Travis Kelsey. The Chiefs right now are fifth in the NFL in average yards per game, so that's good. They're sixth in scoring, so that's good, with 24.5 yards or uh, points per game. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to complain, but you complain when you compare it to last year, where last year they scored 29.2 points per game and were the highest, uh, most yards per game of any team in the league. So it's just a little bit of a drop-off. It's not a huge production drop, but it really it's the way that the ball spread around that makes it feel like it is more of a drop-off than maybe it is. No one on the team has scored more than three touchdowns this season. Kelsey has three, Pacheco has three, and then the rest of the nine touchdowns they've scored have been spread out between uh, seven different players. So it's pretty wild. Uh, while it's been a tough start, you know, for the Chiefs players not named Mahomes and Kelsey, I think there are some hopeful signs, though. Uh, doing a little research, looked at uh, Pacheco and Rashi Rice especially. Those two players are beginning to get a bigger piece of the pie, and I think that's going to be the way going forward. Uh, Pacheco had his second highest number of touches on Thursday night's game. He doubled his season high in receptions with six, and his snap count has steadily been rising since week one, while Jarrett McKinnon's has slowly declined since week one. Uh, Rice, on the other hand, is a receiver. He's now their second highest. Uh, he had his second highest number of snaps this last week and had the number uh, two in yards with 72. And now he's their second most, has the second most receiving yards on the team, passing Justin Watson, who, speaking of him, his injury opened the door for Rice to become more productive in this game, and now it's going to last for weeks to come. I think over the next few weeks, I'm confident that Rice is going to overtake Sky Moore and Marquez Valdez-Scantling in snap count, too, as he already has in yards. I feel like the Chiefs are struggling offensively, but it's only because we have such high expectations for them and we just want to see them the passing tree narrow. Well, I believe that it's going to Pacheco Rice on the rise, even though the team kind of feels like it's struggling a little bit right now. Next, I'll call uh, bouncing back. Um, after a rough start to the season, the Jaguars have bounced back in a big way, uh, making dynasty managers confident and putting those Jaguars into their starting lineups. Travis Etienne, uh, he entered the week as a fourth highest scoring running back. 
and had another two-touchdown start to the game that's going to keep him among the top running backs in the league. Uh, he received touches in the red zone, too, in each of the last two weeks and has scored on them, and that's really where I went wrong. I thought Tank Bigsby would fill that role, uh, but I was wrong there. ETN is uh, doing the goal line work, too, and he's definitely one of the biggest surprises of the season so far. He's already scored uh, more than 50% of the fantasy's points that he scored all of last year, and it's only been six games, right? Pretty crazy. And then also on the other other end, after appearing to lose his starting role to Zay Jones, uh, Christian Kirk has bounced back and kind of back to his 2022 form. He's become the team's most productive receiver ahead of Jones and now ahead of Calvin Ridley. Uh, he's the team's leading receiver now with another uh, good day, decent day, and a touchdown scoring game. Uh, Jones missed, you know, the second game now with an injury, which really kind of opened the door for Kirk to play more. But I think that after he's played so well that they're not going to go away from him, even when Jones is healthy. The Jaguars jumped in on the Colts early in that game, too, and they kind of felt like they just let the foot off the gas the rest of the game, or really ETN and Kirk could have had even bigger games. That was a bit of a bummer. But good to see them bouncing back. Good to see ETN returning to, you know, that first-round draft pick in his rookie draft pick. He's, he's looking like it now. Next, I'll call uh, two steps forward, one step back, or you might say one step forward, two steps back for that matter. Uh, this week, after it kind of looked like Desmond Ritter had turned the corner with that 29-point fantasy game last week and that home victory, this week he lost the first home game of his career, throwing three interceptions in the loss. It was a frustrating game to watch at times because Ritter sometimes looked really good, throwing a touchdown pass to Kyle Pitts first of the season, one to Johnny Smith, and then just peppering Drake London with targets, 12 targets resulting in a 125-yard day for him. So the protection was good on those ends. At the same time, though, um, he just doesn't feel like he's the type of quarterback that's going to be able to elevate the production of these three studs. He's got some of the best studly athletes on his team with Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan Robinson. But I think watching him just to turn around and make boneheaded decisions, completely miss wide-open receivers, makes me think that he's not going to be able to get the most of these incredible athletes that he has on his team. And what's worse, it's not just Ritter that brings the team down. Uh, their coach does too. Arthur Smith is is uh, really bringing down the, the production of Bijan Robertson by not giving him enough touches. While it's nice to you know see Bijan line up as wide receiver many times like he did in the game this week, he really needs to get more carries as a true running back, just getting running back carries. Robinson and Tyler Algier had the same number of carries, 13. And that's ridiculous. That's a dumb decision. And so it's infuriating for dynasty managers who want to see their 1.1 draft pick unleashed, but Arthur Smith won't do it. Ritter and Smith are killing the fantasy production of three of the most talented players in the league at their positions. Very, very frustrating. Equally frustrating, I'll call uh, Happy Feet. Derek Carr has Happy Feet. Uh, he may have had a good game statistically, but it did not look like it. Uh, watching the game, Houston tried to let him win the game time and time again, but he just couldn't score a touchdown. He couldn't do it. Uh, they couldn't pull the game away. Houston couldn't pull the game away, so they just kept punting the ball back to the Saints, giving them another chance. And as dynasty manager of Chris Olave with many Chris Olave shares, I kept hoping that one of these drives would result in a touchdown, but Carr simply could not do it. Alave did lead the team with 10 targets and ended up with 97 yards, so that's good, but it just felt like it could have been so much more with all the chances that they gave him. Carr just has happy feet, and he checks down the ball all the time. Carr threw um, the ball a season-high 50 times, but 10 of those 50 passes went to running backs, and 12 of those 50 passes went to tight ends, including ridiculous <laughs> Taysom Hill, 
he, of all people, had a season-high seven catches. He only had four catches the entire season before that game. In this game, he has seven catches. Carr was just running scared and checking things down. He had 353 yards, uh, but the stats don't tell the whole story. He played terrible on Sunday. In a game full of opportunities, uh, he didn't come through for dynasty managers of Olave, Michael Thomas, or Alvin Kamara for that matter. I wish Olave had a better quarterback. I really wish he did. I'd like to do a rookie watch. This time I'll do rookie watch. And my one of my most trusted uh, rookies uh, finally stepped up. One of my most trusted and drafted rookies this last year finally stepped up. I'm talking, of course, if you've been listening to me long, Michael Mayer. He was my top-ranked tight end in this class, and I drafted him in four of my nine leagues. And he's since fallen behind Sam Laporta and, and Luke Musgrave, who've you know immediately broke out as rookies this season. Still, Mayer does have a chance to tighten up that gap as the year progresses, and Sunday was a step in the right direction. He was targeted on the game's first pass that went, uh, went on to lead the team in receiving yards with 75. His snap counts have increased weekly uh, ever since week two. And now, what's bigger deal, because he's always been in there blocking, he's finally taken over the passing role ahead of Austin Hooper. On Sunday, he had 76% of route participation and 19% of the target share. you got to love that for a tight end. I need him to do this again before I'm really going to feel good about putting him in my starting lineups in the four leagues where I have him, but he's really close. He does play the 22nd and 31st worst defenses to tight ends over the next two weeks. So if there's a time for him to break out, uh, this is it. He will, and when he does, um, I'm going to look a lot smarter. smarter. Finally, uh, all my hype will hopefully begin to pay off. A couple more observations. We talked about rookie, rookie watch. Now let's talk about Old Man Strength. Who gets the Old Man Strength Award this year or this week? It goes to Raheem Mostert. He gets the Old Man Strength Award this week. Uh, what a ridiculous surprise he's been this season. Uh, he has an NFL leading 11 touchdowns in six games. Uh, he's having the best year of his career at 31 years old. After six weeks, he is just 28 points away from having his most the most fantasy points he's had an entire season. So in six weeks, he, you know, he'll probably eclipse that next week at this rate. And in seven weeks, you could say he had the best season of his career already. He's carrying you know dynasty teams to victories in the process too. When a player like that was once kind of thought to be just kind of like a bye week fill in you know on your roster, when a player like that explodes into like a top two scoring running back like he is just behind Christian McCaffrey, oh man. If you have a competitive roster and you get that extra bonus that you didn't expect, that really takes your team over the hot, over the top. I know the only league where I have Mostert, I'm now the second highest scoring team, and I already had a competitive team in that roster at Mostert, has put me over the top. I only have to start one running back in that league too, which is great, and he's the only one I start. Uh, he's definitely bound to come down when, you know, David Don Achan uh, returns from his injury, and maybe even sooner when Jeff Wilson returns, maybe possibly even next week. That said, uh, Coach uh, Mike McDaniel, he's, uh, he's interesting. Uh, he's proven that he's the kind of coach that dynasty managers love. He loves to run up the score. He never slows down. He feeds his guys, and I get a feeling that he actually kind of cares about records. I think he's going to try to get Tyree Kill the passing yardage record, record this season, uh, yardage in a season. Um, and he may try to get Mostert some sort of records as well. I looked up the touchdown record. That actually goes to LaDamian Tomlinson. Uh, he holds a record with 31 total touchdowns this season. Well, Mostert's a third of the way there with 11. Probably not going to get there, but I love that his coach uh, doesn't slow down and keeps giving him the ball. One more observation I'll say. I'll just call it running back woes, running back woes. I think the running back position gets rougher every year. Injuries, of course, but combine that with how most teams are using this kind of running back by committee approach, 
Uh, they make me rethink the importance of drafting running backs early in startup drafts as well as even in rookie drafts. I've noticed that uh, I always start wide receivers in my flex positions, even in half PPR leagues. Um, in leagues where I, you know, some of the leagues I have, you know, one flex spot. Other leagues I have up to six flex spots in these certain different leagues that I play a part of. And I look back over over all of my teams right now. My most successful teams are wide receiver heavy, and they're the ones that are helping me win. For instance, I'm five and one in one league where we have. Uh, where I'm starting four receivers weekly in my flex position. I'm five and one in a, in a tight end premium league where I start three wide receivers or tight ends in all three of my flex spots. And I'm also five and one in a really deep tight end premium league where I'm starting tight ends and wide receivers in all six of my flex spots. All that to say that my teams are winning with wide receivers, not running backs, which is why I go wide receiver heavy in startup and rookie drafts. I'm perfectly content to start one reliable running back and uh, one, you know, if I have to start two, one reliable one and one that's just kind of uh, a running back by committee, particularly if he's on the passing side of that committee. I've got Jalen Warren in so many leagues. He's my second running back that I start almost every week now just to get those PPR points from him. And uh, I'm good with that. That's doing enough for me. Wide receiver heavy is the way to go. All right, so let's talk some waiver wire. What are we going to do here? Trying to get you guys ahead of the game with your waiver wires. If you listen to this on Tuesday or whenever you're waiver wire run. Uh, there are a couple of players I'm interested in this week. And first though, I'm just going to give a list of names because we've got PJ Walker, Malik Willis, uh, Tyson Badgent, Brian Hoyer, and Malik Cunningham. So this week, the leading story was all the quarterback injuries, making you know this list of quarterbacks definitely the most valuable players to pick up off the waiver wire. Now in super flex leagues, you know, most of these guys are on rosters already, but not all of them. I looked and there's still a few of them available in some of my leagues, with, even when they're super flex. And they're going to be worth adding even in one quarter. A few of these guys, I think, are worth adding in one quarterback leagues, too. <clears throat> well, savvy dynasty managers were already quick to pick up P.J. Walker on their rosters after last week. He was promoted to be the backup behind Deshaun Watson and ahead of Dorian Thomas Thompson Robinson DTR after DTR played so poorly a week ago. Uh, Watson's injury is the type of thing that can linger. And uh, Walker led the team to an upset win over the 49ers. Uh, not because he played so well, but he was he did enough to make it happen. So I think he's going to continue to start while Watson is injured, even though, like I said, he didn't play very well. Then there's Malik Willis. He's the next man up after Ryan Tannehill got injured. Don't know the extent of that yet as we record here on a Monday afternoon. And it is the Titans' bye week, so Tannehill's going to have one more week to heal. But Willis is still a player worth adding to rosters. Uh, he improved uh, during the preseason uh, and actually won the backup role ahead of the other guy that drafted Will Levis. So... His running ability alone makes him a viable starter in Superflex leagues and maybe a bi-week fill-in quarterback uh, you know, during some of these major bi-weeks that are coming up. I must admit, on, on the on, for the Bears, I did not know who Tyson uh, Badgent was, let alone, let alone how to pronounce his name. I didn't realize that he was the backup to Justin Fields. That's my bad. I really had never heard of him, and he's available in all of my Superflex leagues, and so he'll get picked up in every single one this week for sure. If his job, uh, if, if his job, it's his job if Fields' hand injury continues to keep him from playing. And the last report I saw about an hour ago was that it's going to take some time for his hand, his, his thumb, to heal. So he's going to be a player picked up for sure this week. And then um, Aiden O'Connell you know, was a healthy scratch on Sunday, which was pretty, pretty unique. I didn't think that was going to happen, leaving the Raiders back up to be Brian Hoyer. And he came in the game after Jimmy Garoppolo got injured. But strange, O'Connor started the game last week when Garoppolo was in the concussion protocol, 
And so he may go, they may go back to him, but for whatever reason, he was a healthy scratch. Not sure who they're going to go with, but keep Hoyer on your radar in case they decide that Hoyer is going to get a future start. Uh, Garoppolo's injury looks to be more serious with that back injury. Then there's a sneaky, sneaky addition that you might think about. That's Malik Cunningham. And that's who the Patriots may want to get a look at if they continue to lose games like they've been doing. He was called up to the active roster for the first time last week, indicating that he may get some playing time in the near future if Mac Jones continues to play poorly, which he has played really poorly. So all of that, you sort it out and figure out which one you want to add. Check it to see if P.J. Walker, Malik Willis, Tyson Badgent, <laughs> Brian Hoyer, or Malik Cunningham are on the waiver wire. Next, we'll talk about a few more guys. Tyler Scott, I know that I've talked about him before in this podcast, even on this this part right here with the waiver wire. The fact, though, is that I've added him and dropped him from a few of my rosters already. He's safely on uh, the taxi squad of a lot of my leagues, but I've dropped him in the ones without taxi squads. I've dropped him and added him multiple times this season. Um, but this week, he had a big jump in playing time, up to 59% of the snaps. And with Chase Claypool out of the picture, he's their new starting wide receiver when they're in 11 personnel, surpassing Equinania St. Brown, who did not play a snap this last Sunday. I like Scott from a dynasty perspective, too, because Mooney's contract expires at the end of the season. Uh, Scott is a year away from being something that you'd really want, but he's a year away from probably being a wide receiver, too. So he's definitely a player I'm going to look at this week. Next player I'd look at this week off waivers is, is Andre Yosevich. Uh, Yosevich uh, caught his first touchdown of his career on Sunday, even though he only played eight snaps. But I just love it. He had such a fantastic college career at Princeton and looked great during the, during the preseason, too. Uh, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins' contracts expire at the end of the season. And so uh, so does Trenton Irwin, who thus far has been out-snapping and out-producing Yosivas. So that's true that he has. But still, Yosivas is the player that I want most from a dynasty perspective on this team. He's going to have to wait a year, so you're going to have to store him on your roster. But he's a player that I'd really like to take a stab at in some of my deeper leagues stash uh, on my rosters here, holding on, you know, for the rest of the year to see what happens. Finally, one more player just to mention as Darrington Evans. Uh, Evans was called up from the practice squad last week and was a, got actually a surprising workload for the Bears, splitting time with Deontay Foreman. Uh, he had 10 touches compared to Foreman 16. However, you know, Roshan Johnson is going to probably return this next week after the concussion protocol gets cleared, and he's going to get more touches than both of them. So I'd only really look to add Evans in the deepest of leagues. All right. Now we'll talk to a couple trades. There are a couple trades that went down in my leagues. I like to do this just because I can tell you about what mo most likely the managers were thinking when they made the trades because these are actual trades that took place in my my leagues. <clears throat> Some of them I made, <laughs> including this first one. Dallas Goddard was traded for Nico Collins. So in this league, I'm one in four. And though my losses have been narrow, I just decided this week that I was going to throw in the towel and start to rebuild my wide receivers are strong in this league, but my running backs and quarterbacks in the Superflex League need a major, major refresh. So I posted on our message board that I was ready to deal. And within the week, by the end of the week, I had a, a three different trades that took place and acquired some players that I like as well as some picks. Um, this with this team, uh, the, I traded away Goddard to Nico Collins. The contending team that I traded him to, its only weakness was at tight end. And so he was very strong at receivers, too, so he accepted my offer, willing to give up Nico Collins to shore up his, his uh, tight end spot. In this league, I have David Njoku, who I consider, you know, the same dynasty tier as Goddard you know, on my roster. In addition, I have rookie Michael Mayer, who, you know, I like. 
And so I was willing to give up Goddard to get a young receiver uh, who's really breaking out this year, Nico Collins. I was pleased to make this trade and add a possible top 12 wide receiver to my team instead of a tight end who is third in his team in targets. And really, it's just kind of up and down, as is all tight ends. To tell you the truth, I would do this league whether I was rebuilding. I would do this trade whether I was rebuilding or not. I much prefer Nico Collins to Dallas Goddard in any league. And then, in a big move in the same league, I traded away that same contending manager, Tua uh, Tagovailoa and Romeo Dobbs. Tua and Romeo. And I got back Jordan Love, Zay Flowers, Luke Musgrave, a 2024 first-round pick and second-round pick. So Jordan Love, Zay Flowers, Luke Musgrave, and two picks, a first and a second-round pick, all to give up Tua, my highest-scoring player on my team, and the good prospect of Dobbs. Like I said, I traded Tua and Dobbs for this package of players. It was terrible to part with Tua in a Superflex league, but I'm pleased with the players that I got back and the picks that I'm going to acquire. Jordan Love is a major step down from Tua, but I'm confident that he's going to be the Packers' starter for years to come. So I at least have a secure starting quarterback in the deal. As my team continues to tank, um, I think I'm probably going to have a top one to three uh, pick next year, which will be another, another place where I could pick up a quarterback in the Superflex League. Um, I've added Musgrave as a compliment. to. I already said that I traded away Goddard, so now I've added Musgrave. I've got Musgrave and Joku and Mayer on the team now. While I still believe in Mayer, I'm glad to have the other rookie in Musgrave just to see what's going to happen between those two. Um, Flowers putting this, this trade over the top for me. Um, I have Jordan Addison in this league too, so adding another first-round receiver to last year in last year's class was a thrill. So now my rebuilding team now has Nico Collins, Puka Nakua, Chris Olave, Jordan Madison, Jaden Reed, and Jahan Dotson on it. So and Zay Flowers for that matter. <laughs> so pretty exciting uh, to have that on my on my squad. Plus, I'm going to get these picks back, so now I have two first-round picks and and uh, two second-round picks, which will. Help me as I continue to try to rebuild in this league. And then I did one more trade in the same league, trying to rebuild here. I traded away Keenan Allen for Sean Tucker, a 2024 second-round pick and a 2025 first-round pick. So a first-round pick, a future first-round pick, next year's second pick, and Sean Tucker will kind of throw in on the deal for Keenan Allen. Other than Tua, uh, Keenan Allen was my most expensive player on my roster, and I received several offers for second-round picks for him. But would not trade him without a first-round pick. I told the, the guy who won't come in for him. I said I have to have a first-round pick, and so, I, you know, I'm still hopeful for Sean Tucker, even though his season is not at all started like I expected. He offered Van Jefferson in the first deal, but I just wanted to add a running back to the deal in case he breaks out. Um, like I said, I'm pretty young and loaded at wide receiver, and just wanted to have Sean Tucker instead. I know there are risks to rebuilding, but compiling picks is a key, and so now I have. Uh, three second-round picks, two first-round picks, and a first-round pick in 2025 as I begin my quest to rebuild. All right, two more trades took place that I'll talk about. Pretty modest one here, but Chuba Hubbard uh, was traded for a third-round pick. So this trade occurred in my Reality Sports Online League, which is, has player contracts and a salary cap. So honestly, sometimes I don't even mention trades that take place in this league because they're much more challenging to explain Managers, you know, trade not just for players, but they trade to dump salaries and contracts. And so we'll see, you know, if I could try to explain this one. This one was actually pretty simple uh, because a 3-2 and two contending team added Hubbard uh, as a cheap player and was willing to give up his third-round pick. In this case, their salary cap, their salary cap uh, is about, their salary is about equal 
the kind of have a set salary cap for third round picks is going to be about the same as what Hubbard's was. So Hubbard's can help this team this year. One of my most uh, frustrating players in all the league right now is Miles Sanders, and Hubbard is really pushing him for time. I don't even know if just the injury injury is the big deal for Sanders. Hubbard himself could just actually replace Sanders. So pretty good deal for a contending team to get a guy that could be helpful. It's a deep league where we start uh, two running backs, three receivers, and we have three flex positions, four flex positions. So in a big league like that, Hubbard, you know, it's a player that you'd throw in as kind of a last-second flex for sure. Finally, a huge trade in this deal with lots of, <laughs> again, it's a salary cap league, so it's hard to explain, but Cooper Cup was traded for Tyler Lockett, Trey McBride, James Robinson, Isaiah McKenzie, Terry on Davis Price, Khalil Shakir, a 2024 second-round pick, and a 2025 second-round picks. Now, trades like these don't make any sense in a regular dynasty league without contracts and salary cap. So you got to take that in contest. So here's what here's what happened here. One team was 0-5. They just said that they were ready to sell Cup um, on the last who's on the last year of his contract. And so there's another team that was 5-0 that you know bought this player and gave up just a ton of players to. Uh, to give up in the deal. So pretty crazy. The trade clears the 0-5 team of a lot of salary cap and roster spots as they plan to rebuild. My co-manager and I have a lot of reserve in our salary cap right now, and we're one of the contending teams too at 5-1 and one after this week. I wish we would have made a deal like this. The only thing is, though, with us, our roster is pretty solid, and we wouldn't have this many players that we could give away. And so... I know most of you listening to me today are not in salary cap leagues, but I would love it to encourage you to do it. It's really fun. You should give at least one a try. They pose a pretty unique challenge and make trades very complex, such as these one, two, three, four, five, six, six players and two picks for Cooper Cup. Um, salary cap, cap leagues are a blast. You guys should give it a try. Oh, wow. All right. That was a mouthful. A lot going on this week. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, let's make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Much better on email than Twitter, so contact me that way, dynastyfreaks with two E's. Again, I would be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.